welcome everyone for those that are new here. I've been doing one of these every week for the past seven weeks now, I think. Over the past seven weeks, every Tuesday at 11 local time, 11 a.m. in El Salvador, I've been hosting a spaces focused on different topics. So first week, it was about all the banks and financial institutions here adopting Bitcoin. And, you know, seven weeks ago, basically, they had no idea what was going on, which was interesting. Then we had one with uh, Mike was on there about Bitcoin Beach and the backstory there and the reception in El Salvador on the new law. Then I did one on Bitcoin Smiles, the dentist that was raising funds to help locals in El Salvador with their dental care. They reached the goal. So that was great. We did one on companies opening offices, Bitcoin startups opening offices in El Salvador two weeks ago. And then last week, we had more of the, the opposition to the Bitcoin law on the show. So this week, today is actually the big day. Today is legal tender day in El Salvador. I invited Alex, who's been in El Salvador for the past week, Mike Pearson and Chimber, who are involved with the Bitcoin Beach project in El Zante. And this week, I want to have a little bit more of an open discussion. So we'll be inviting more people on stage faster compared to previous weeks. Alex, I'd like to start with you. You were in El Salvador over the past week. Just tell us, what were your experiences here? Sure. Thank you so much for bringing this group together. Look, I think for me, it was like a, there's two stories here. There's the story of El Zante and the grassroots education and community work going on there, which is really an inspiration. And then there's the story of the government, which picked up on this vibe maybe last year and decided to run with it a few months ago. And I think these are two very different stories. But in general, the reality is a handful of people in a town with no paved roads or traffic lights where very few have bank accounts are really ground zero for a financial revolution. It's an impossible story. It's like a Hollywood story. They ended up changing their community, bringing hope to a difficult place that went through a really tough decade. It wasn't just a few years ago that El Salvador was considered more dangerous than Iraq or Afghanistan. And yet here we are with the whole world is watching this small country as it leapfrogs Germany and Japan and the United States and all these other industrial powers in bringing open source decentralized money to its population. There's more to say about the domestic scene, which makes it complicated because the government is becoming more authoritarian, clearly. And it's confusing because I come from a background of <laughs> interviewing people inside dictatorships who are using Bitcoin to like, you know, find some freedom among a very difficult situation. So you have like a different situation happening there. But in general, I would say that the possibilities are very, very powerful and, and the potential is huge. But I would say the educational hurdles are the biggest ones. Technologically speaking, just to set the room, about 66% of Salvadorans use social media and the average person has 1.5 cell phones. So most people can use Bitcoin. The question is, how do they figure out what it is? Personally, me, I mean, living in America it took me years to figure out what Bitcoin was. So it requires a community educational effort, and we'll have to see how that goes. Obviously, it's been extraordinary in El Zante. And when you talk to people who are small business owners there who use Bitcoin, they will say at first it was intimidating and difficult. But after a few days, they learned how to use it, and now they're like adept at it. I mean, the small business owners there and the vendors there, <laughs> they know a lot more about Bitcoin than people in Silicon Valley, which, again, I think is quite extraordinary. So I guess I'll just leave it at that. But thank you, Aaron, for having me. 
Yeah, you mentioned that it's almost like a Hollywood story. So I'd be curious. Let's hear that Hollywood story. Mike, you've been involved with this basically from the start. So how has this all been playing out from your perspective? I think, you know, when I wake up in the morning, it's still hard to believe that it's real, that it's this small project that we started that was focused on just benefiting the the day-to-day lives of people that are making $300 a month has now possibly started a ball rolling to transform the world's financial system. So it's it's one of those things that if somebody just, if you saw it in a movie, you would think that's just so unbelievable. That would never happen in real life. So for all the concerns about the government issues, I think the fact that the government has chosen to focus on the fact that this is bringing the unbanked into the system, and that was their motivating factor, and that's what they focused on first was the Bitcoin payment rails. I think is hugely bullish and is very exciting and and makes me much more likely to give them the benefit of the doubt that this is going to be used to benefit the people. Yeah, Chimbera, you were born and raised in El Zante, right? What have you seen happening in El Zante over the past couple of months? How's this been for you? Hello, everyone. Yeah, El Zante has been changing a lot in the last few years and everything is moving fast. And we all were dreaming and I think our grandparents they dreaming that this will come one day but they didn't know and we didn't know when and we are lucky we can see it now and how my say before like most of the people here in Sante before Bitcoin they were not allowed to be in the financial system that we have now and what we start to see was people saving money for the first time small merchants transacting digitally for the first time, people buying like an asset for the first time, you know, in their life. And I don't know if this is like the question, this is like, for us is the best way that the country is is moving, you know? Because if Osante proved that that dream that for changing our community benefit, like Bitcoin bring financial education to our community, that's for sure. And that's something that around the world, no one teach you what money is and how start to saving like Jorge's here with me. And, and he used to say kids never were able to have like a bank account until they have 18 years old. And now with Bitcoin, with blockchain technology, they can start to saving money and they don't need to be 18 years old for start to building their dreams. So El Sonte was a fisherman town, always had been that. And I think the future now for kids will be amazing, man. We have kids that are 19 years old now and they know English class, they know computer class, they know about Bitcoin, they know about financial, and there are the new leaders that are educating the community. So we're super excited about it, you know? Of course, everyone want to know and want to understand the answer now, but it's something that the history will tell us if... Osaba took the right decision or not. We truly believe this is the right way, but we need to understand also if people are not like agree now because we need to be empathy because we all learning in different ways. And like Alex say, it took time, some time to get it. But once you get it, you don't leave. Have you been able to download the Chiva wallet yet? Have you tried? No, yet. I was trying to do it this morning. Last night I was... It was not possible for me, but I will try soon. Yes. 
So in El Zonta, Bitcoin is obviously, like you just explained, it's changing the community. It's changing how people think about money and how they think about the future. To what extent do you guys think that is something that is now going to be exported to the rest of the country? And what are the challenges there? This is an open question to anyone on stage. Does anyone have any thoughts on that? Is that going to be a challenge? And what is the challenge? I think it's going to be a slow process. I think we have to understand that, that people are going to, like we saw here in El Zante, they'll start by holding a little bit of their money or their wealth in Bitcoin, and they'll watch the volatility. And as they become more and more comfortable with it, they'll move more into that. I mean, that's what we've seen in El Zante. I think that's what we've seen in the world. That's the journey that most Bitcoiners go down. So the fact that so many are being exposed through the project with Achieva Wallet and are being given their first Bitcoin, I think we can't underestimate just the groundswell that that's going to create, maybe not a month from now, but definitely a year from now. And, and for sure, 10 years from now, like we'll see the country transformed because of that. And I'm already hearing rumors that there's several other Central American countries that are on the verge and are kind of waiting to see how this goes before they follow down that same path. And so that may be in six months if everything goes well, that may be in 16 months if we hit some big you know, stumbles along the way, but I still feel it's inevitable. Yeah, what do you think the stumbles could be or what do you think the challenges are? You know, obviously the rollout timeline was very rushed and there's a lot of concern about the lightning implementation within the wallet how it's being set up and if it's going to be sustainable. There's concern about just the technology in general. Like, was that enough time to set things up in a safe and secure way? And will there be just a ton of down times? I mean, shoot, Coinbase was down, I think, again today. They can't keep their stuff up. So I think it's you know expected that a country that's trying to onboard everybody is going to have some stumbles along the way. But I think it's important to keep that in context. That doesn't mean that it's not working or that it's not going to work. That just means that there's high demand and that we're figuring out the bottlenecks as we go along. Yeah, well, I can tell you this morning I stepped into a McDonald's and I asked if I could pay with Bitcoin. And to my complete shock, I actually could. I was totally not expecting that. Alex, we were literally discussing yesterday that there was no way that McDonald's was going to. I think I mentioned literally McDonald's as an example. We were discussing there's no way I'm going to be able to pay McDonald's today. But lo and behold, it was smooth. I could pay with Lightning, and I had my breakfast at McDonald's this morning. Yeah, what's really interesting is that it's not just the government, right? There's competition, right? So Strike is like onboarding businesses to be able to comply with the law and accept Bitcoin. And there's another company. So there's at least three entities currently competing down in El Salvador to provide businesses with the software to be able to accept Bitcoin. I think zooming out like for the next few months, it's unlikely, it seems, that like basically I think one of the things that's going to happen is that the government is going to be taking Bitcoin off the hands of people who aren't super excited about, who again, don't know much about it and don't really want to hold it. At least at first, as Mike is saying, as they learn more and more about it, they, they may be, you know, they're going to want to get some. But at first, what you'll likely see is like people taking any Bitcoin they get from remittances or if vendors are receiving it. They're probably going to just convert it to dollars either automatically using something like Chivo or Strike or they'll do it manually. So I think this is why this, the government supposedly has this $150 million trust is to be able to buy the Bitcoin off people with dollars. I'm like a little confused as to why they're beyond reserves, like why they're stacking all this other Bitcoin. You would only need that, right, if the citizens were trying to buy Bitcoin from you. So 
there's a little confusion around like that. And I, I think that's also a big grievance among the people is like, there's been very little education. People don't know what's going on. Like the app launched on the Huawei store this morning. It just launched on the Apple store like 20 minutes ago, but like none of this was planned. Like there was no announcements. People feel very in the dark. And this is a country where if you put Bukele aside for the second, the last three presidents all looted the country. So like the people are afraid that this is going to be used to steal from them, which is a completely valid fear. So I think that's it. Just these are these are important things to keep in mind. Yeah, we were both at the there were protests in San Salvador last week. What were your impressions of these protests? I mean, again, people have bad memories of the dollarization, which was imposed top down on them 20 years ago, which was great for the banks and the elites, but was not very good for the poor. There was not like a devaluation, but uh, essentially people went from like using colones to using the dollar at a particular exchange rate of 8.75 per dollar, which resulted in like a lot of rounding up. So like you could imagine if something was like eight colones, okay, it would now be a dollar. Okay. So there was like a lot of price inflation. People had a hard time with it. Even five years later, people were having a hard time with it. So now you have the government saying, oh, we're going to change the money again. Okay. So yeah. And no one knows what Bitcoin is. Like if I were to walk around California today and interview a hundred people, I mean, very few people know what Bitcoin is, right? So people are like, you know, afraid from that perspective. And I think just the biggest takeaway from the protest was how little people know about Bitcoin. Like, this one person I interviewed, and this is a common belief actually in New York City as well, but like they thought you had to have $50,000 to buy a Bitcoin. And, you know, these are just common adoption challenges you're going to face. This person, she had an iPhone in her pocket and she was telling me she didn't know if she'd be able to get Bitcoin or what, you know, like people just don't realize how you would connect to Bitcoin, how to use it, what it is. So there's just going to be a huge educational need over the coming weeks and months and years. Yeah, Mike, Chimbera, what has been the sentiment in the country, you would say, also like the news coverage, the media, how have they been handling the Bitcoin law and the rollout of it? Just to piggyback on a couple of things Alex was saying, at first, I think it's important to realize that most of the media has been against the president from the get-go. He, you know, during the election, he bypassed the traditional media. He used Facebook and Twitter and TikTok to go directly to the people. And so there's always been an uneasy relationship between the mainstream press here and the president. And so I think you have to take everything you see with a grain of salt, you know, considering that. But getting back to Alex's point about the dollarization, one thing that happened during that process was the government kept telling the people, don't worry, you'll be able to continue to use colonias. We're not getting rid of them. We're just going to have this kind of dual financial system. So you'll be able to use both. But the reality is, is over a pretty quick period of time, I believe it was just a few months, they basically took all the colonias out of circulation in El Salvador. And so there is a real fear and, and understandable just based on their experience that that government's going to do the same thing, that in three months, you won't be able to do anything in dollars and there will only be Bitcoin available. Now, obviously, as Bitcoiners, we understand that's not going to happen. It just wouldn't be practical for uh, uh, such a new currency that with so much volatility for the country to only use it at this period of time. And also, there is a free market for Bitcoin to dollar exchange. So it's not like the Colonas where it was like pegged by the government. So there's real big differences on the practical level. But from their point of view, this is like deja vu of what they've already gone through. And so I think as time goes on and they realize that the dollar is 
still going to be the primary currency that most transactions take place in, I think a lot of their fears will go away. Yeah, Chimberry, do you have any insight there or any thoughts of what has been sort of the reception in the rest of the country about the law? Yeah, so as a Bitcoin Beach, we have been running this program for education program in the last months, more or less. And what we find in the communities is like, we need to specificate when we get there, you know, and, and say like, oh, you, we're not the government, we're not the mayor, we just want to help and we want to explain you what Bitcoin is. So people are more willing to open, you know, and remain in the class, if we can call like a class and understand. Another issue is the connectivity. And these classes that we were running, we prepare for give Wi-Fi to the people because many of the people that come to listen and maybe they want to download the wallet, but they don't have internet. Some other people, they don't have like a good cell phone that can support like any wallet, you know. And they are there, and, and of course, they're going to be worried, you know, because they say, how can I use it? My phone doesn't work. I don't have internet, you know, and those are real things that are happening and are happening here. But when you sit with them and they realize that it's not that hard, you know, most of the people thinking like Alex was saying that for transacting with Bitcoin, you have to be like super smart or you have to be rich, you know. And once they got some sat on their wallet and they can start to making their first transacting, any doobie, any fear disappear. And they like, wow, so that's it? Well, that's it. So I will say like the biggest challenge is education and it's going to take time. It's, it's going to take what it is. And we all, we all need to put something on this. Yeah, I'd like to uh, start opening the discussion up more to uh, listeners in the audience. One listener I see is Carlinho. I wonder if he wants to join because as far as I understand, he's been hard at work to make some of this happen. Carlinho, if you want to share your story, please request to be a listener. The same goes for anyone else. If anyone has any questions or comments or uh, wants to share an experience, maybe if they're in El Salvador themselves. Yeah, I just wanted to jump in and say the timeline on the enterprise side, on the business side, was definitely really tight. I think we had seven weeks over the summer to figure this all out. And yeah, we're just super happy to be able to power all of these businesses. McDonald's was really obviously the star. It doesn't get much bigger in terms of retail brands than McDonald's, but we have a bunch more in the pipeline. Yeah, we have other things outside of El Salvador, but I'm obviously super honored and thrilled because we've been working on this vision that lightning payments would be the future of payments when the lightning network had five btc in it and the btc was worth you know a lot less more than it is today so yeah we're just thrilled and it's been difficult education at an enterprise level is very hard because they're trying to equate bitcoin payments to regular payments they're trying to run a bunch of you know, they don't know what's going on and they were forced to accept Bitcoin pretty much overnight. And we're just happy to be able to educate enterprises on why Bitcoin only, how does everything work? How can you go to market in, in such a quick timeline? And yeah, we have a bunch of things coming up. We're uh, moving to start our own Bitcoin only lobby group. So that's something that we're looking to start with our partners at Fidelity we're just excited to make this vision come true. I feel like El Salvador is just step one, but we're excited to be on the field and helping people 
accept the payment. So yeah, I'm just happy to be part of this historic day. Great. Yeah, I think uh, Kalinjo requested to be a speaker. I'm not able to get him on stage. It seems this might be some Twitter spaces buggy things again. So Rui, you were actually in El Salvador talking with these businesses and helping them on board on the ground or? Most of those businesses are not most, but a lot of these businesses we're talking with, they're not based in El Salvador. They have bases elsewhere in Latin America. So one of our team members is in El Salvador right now, João is, but we haven't been doing this in person. It's mostly figuring out things at an enterprise level from where we stand, right? Because we're just helping businesses accept Bitcoin, not really the payers and everything. But so the answer I think would be no. And so McDonald's, to take that example, they're accepting Bitcoin payments, obviously. Are they keeping the money in Bitcoin or how does this work behind the screens? I'm pretty sure that McDonald's is converting to USD at this moment, but we do offer the possibility for them to either keep a percent of it in Bitcoin or just go all out and keep the Bitcoin. But I think since the rollout was so quick, we weren't really expecting them to be fully on board with this whole Bitcoin thing. I think what we'll see is you know, as time goes on, they will be more open to keeping some of that Bitcoin. But for now, they really just wanted to get a solution ready on day one. And Aaron was saying that he was surprised that McDonald's was accepting Bitcoin. We were working day one and we were working with them and we were also surprised to see it just day one live. But yeah, I'm, I'm glad we made that happen. I think that's so cool that they're able to do that using the tools that you built out. I'm curious, what are the largest challenges for enterprise businesses in adopting Bitcoin in this way? I think the largest challenge by far is that they don't understand Bitcoin. They don't understand like the logistics behind a Bitcoin payment. It's so different than a regular payment, not just because it's a different currency, but even the fact that it's a push system, not a pull system. The fact that on on-chain, there's all of these issues like underpayments, overpayments, so many things. The time that it takes for one confirmation to happen, the variability of block time. It's very, very hard, very challenging to explain this to an enterprise. That's the main challenge. I'm very happy that El Salvador is pushing Lightning so hard because Lightning really does solve for all of these things that I just mentioned. And it really makes Bitcoin payments on par with regular payments in terms of UX, because you just scan a QR code and instantly that's it. There's no nuance. There's no, you know, the payment's just done. So the fact that El Salvador pushed Lightning so hard really made our lives a whole lot easier. And then outside of that, it's more, you know, just understanding Bitcoin as an enterprise, like how this regulation apply to this? Is this, you know, is there's a, a legit asset? Some of these enterprises ask us. so. Yeah, you have to take it from a perspective that this is a group of people that probably never heard of Bitcoin payments before. Maybe they've heard of the asset, but most of them didn't even know you could use this to accept like everyday payments for an hamburger. So, yeah, those are the two biggest challenges, I would say. Yeah, one of the reasons I was so shocked is I mentioned this at the start of this stream that it was just six weeks ago that myself and a couple of other Bitcoiners, Carlino was one of them, Moritz, who I saw in the audience. We were visiting these payments, you know, financial institutions, and just six weeks ago, it seemed like no one had any idea what was going on. So to see it actually work today was shocking.
All right, Bitcoiners, I want to tell you about our newest sponsor. This show is brought to you by Ledin.io. I have been super, super impressed with the guys over at Ledin. I've actually known the co-founders, Adam and Mauricio, for a very long time. I've had the pleasure to watch them build Ledin up from a tiny, tiny startup to now a super impressive institutional grade Bitcoin and crypto lender. Y'all, I'm so impressed with these guys. They are offering some of the best rates out there. I don't think anyone even comes close to touching them. You can get 6.1% APY on your first two Bitcoin that you deposit into Ledin interest accounts, and you can get 8.5% on USDC deposits. I mean, I know all the competitors. They're not even close. If you're going to put your crypto and your Bitcoin into an interest account, Ledin is by far the best. And on top of that, like I said, these guys are hardcore Bitcoiners and they know the products and the services that Bitcoiners want and appreciate. They come up with B2X. It allows you to put your Bitcoin in. They leverage it up and you can, with one click of the mouse, get twice the exposure to Bitcoin. So if you're super bullish, Ledin has you covered with a super, super easy way to get leverage with B2X. And then on top of that, they know that Bitcoiners care about your reserves. They know that Bitcoiners don't like under-reserved and not full-reserved financial institutions. So they are pushing the frontier in transparency in the digital asset lending space. And they are the first digital asset lender to do a full proof of reserves and proof of attestation through a Mariano LLC, a public accounting firm. So the letting guys, they know what Bitcoiners like. They are legit. I encourage you guys to check them out. Do your own research and go to ledin.io. That is L-E-D-N.io and learn more. Bitcoiners, I want to tell you about the deep dive. The deep dive is Bitcoin Magazine's premium market intelligence newsletter. This is a no fluff, hard hitting, incredible newsletter going deep into the market, helping you understand what's happening with derivatives, what's happening on chain, what's happening in macro, what's happening with the narrative and what's happening with the tech. My man, Dylan LeClaire is an absolute savant. He is making his name known in the Bitcoin community, getting shout outs left and right, getting on podcasts left and right. And him and his team are bringing you everything that you need to know about Bitcoin. You don't even have to be on Bitcoin Twitter. You can ignore every other newsletter. This is the newsletter to rule them all. Go over to members.bitcoinmagazine.com. Sign up today. And if you use promo code MACRO, you get a full month for free. You have nothing to lose. What are you waiting for? Sign up. See the incredible work that Dylan and his team are putting out. And if you don't like it, just unsubscribe. You don't pay a dime. But if you do, it's going to be well worth the sats in investment in understanding Bitcoin and gaining the confidence to continue to invest in Bitcoin and making the right moves around Bitcoin. And it's going to be well worth every single Satoshi. Uh, again, can't recommend it enough. That is members.bitcoinmagazine.com, promo code MACRO. Do it today. And we have some more people on stage. Let's see who do we have. Manuel, what's up? I'm just a Venezuelan kid, man, that I believe in Bitcoin. I believe in cryptocurrency. I believe in the decentralized banks. And I'm trying to move to El Salvador. What can you tell me about that? Moving to El Salvador. Questions about moving to El Salvador. Is that it? Yeah. I think Tim Barra might be able to answer that because we've been discussing that before. Bring your surfboard. This is what you need. <laughs> no, I don't know. 
we hear, we don't know yet how the revelation will be, but I, we have been hearing from the president that if you spend like the equivalent of three Bitcoin, you will get instance permanent resident. So yeah, many people are looking for that. Maybe Mike wanna like be more, <laughs> have like a better, better explanation about that. Yeah, Mike yeah, did I, in I, fact I, move to El Salvador. So let's hear from Mike. Yeah, I think there's been a lot of talk about the, the permanent residency. That's obviously not the only way to get residency in El Salvador. And, you know, obviously there's lots of people who don't have free Bitcoin to be able to invest. But there are other options. Most people will come in as a tourist and they'll get a 90-day tourist visa. And then they'll start the residency process through, you know, starting up a business or finding work here. So there's different routes. And it obviously depends on what country you're coming from. I think the government is being deluged right now with requests, with people wanting to come make this like a second home or to move here permanently. And so I wouldn't be surprised if we see more legislation on that come out shortly. Obviously, they're moving so fast in all these different areas. There's only so many things they can focus on at once. And so I don't know what the timeline for that's going to be, but I would assume that five years from now, there would be a, a pretty significant expat population here in El Salvador. And, and I think it'll be important for the government to think through doing that in a way that makes sure that the Salvadorans benefit from that and perceive that jobs and opportunities are coming in with that inflow of expats and not that people are coming in and taking Salvadoran jobs. And so it, it can be that way a lot of times when there's a, you know, an inflow of foreigners in a place. There can be that perception. And so I think that's going to be very important. And I think that will be the reality. I know the main language of El Salvador is Spanish, but is there any improvement of the English being as the second language? There's actually a decent amount of English spoken in El Salvador. Uh, you know, a lot of people from El Salvador have spent time in the U.S. There's a lot of deportees that, you know, spent maybe a decade there. And so there's a lot of English call centers in El Salvador. It's actually a pretty high prevalence of high level of English. And so I think that will be you know, an asset as more Bitcoin companies look to set up here. A lot of them will want English speakers. And so I think those people will have better chance at some of those jobs. But I also think that Bitcoin is going to become more of a Latin America thing than even a U.S. thing. I think there's going to be a lot of countries in Latin America that follow El Salvador's example. And I think Latin America will be a leader in the space. And so I think there'll be more and more Bitcoin things happening in Spanish initially and being translated to English. So, CK, if you can let Carlino on stage, then that would be great. I'm not able to. I guess it's probably... Uh, some... I've done everything I can. I invited him. Uh, I don't know what the, the deal is. Oh, yeah. Just Bitcoin. What was it called? Space. Just Twitter. Issues. <laughs> Twitter spaces issues. There you go. Carlino, maybe try quitting the app and rejoining. Uh, we really want to get you on stage. So we'll, we'll do our best. We did get some other people oh, on stage. Look at that. Ah, there you go. Carlinho, welcome. Como están? Bien, bien. So, <laughs> you've been working around. You haven't slept for the past week, or? So, actually, that's why I, I suggested that you make Juan Pablo the speaker. I'm actually on vacation on my honeymoon. So, uh, Juan Pablo is really the one to talk about. He's the one that hasn't been sleeping. He should be able to share some really interesting details about how things have been going on over there and the craziness of breaking a world record of Bitcoin implementation. I don't think if any other country follows Salvador's lead, I don't think anyone's going to be able to pull it off as quickly as El Salvador has. 
Okay, Juan Pablo, is that, is that his name? Carlinho, go to spend time with your beautiful wife. <laughs> and congratulations. Double congrats on the rollout, the Ibex rollout, as well as getting married. Definitely. But go spend time with your wife. I think we should note the $30 subsidy or stimulus check, like we could say, is not actually spendable, it seems, right? So it's like only lives in the Chivo ecosystem. You can't like withdraw it, it seems. I'm not sure if anyone else has been able to do that. But that's Oh, really? That's like. interesting. So can you, you can probably at least spend it at Chivo Merchants, right? Or yeah, does anyone have any insights on this? Hi, guys. I'm Juan from UX. Nice to meet you all. Gracias, Carlinho. I've actually contacted someone that knows about the Chivo app and supposedly once you do one transaction with the $30 inside the Chivo ecosystem, then you can spend it uh, any place. Ah, so it's uh, like... But one I, I haven't okay. tried it out myself, but that's uh, the information that was sent to us. That so it's like a wall garden for one hop and then you can extract it to a regular Bitcoin wallet? That's what I was told, yes, but I haven't been able to check it out. Listen to this. The founder of BitRefill said that, because people didn't realize this, I guess, or again, problem with the education, but he has 8,000 invoices that weren't able to be paid because people tried to buy stuff on BitRefill with their Chivo. But obviously, put the administrative issue aside for a second, that's pretty amazing uh, demand for BitRefill in just an hour. I don't know. That seems crazy. Yeah, that's 8,000 in one hour. A country is coming online. Yeah, I mean, that means there's 8,000 Chivo users that know what BitRefill is. Like, that's that's, so that's cool. interesting. Yeah, I've used BitRefill myself to top up my balance. Yeah, Eastside, what's up? What's up, everybody? Saludos, primos y primas por ahí. That goes part of with my question. What's stopping anybody from out of country to open a VPN and then get Chivo and get Bitcoin? So from what I understand, you do need like a citizen ID in order to maybe, maybe you can install it, but at least to get the $30, you would need like the citizen ID number or whatever that is exactly. And yeah, you need a self-adored phone number. I think right now you have to have a, a DUI, which is the Salvadoran ID to even download and, and install the app. That makes what I've sense. Been told. That makes sense. So I got another question too. What do you think stopping McDonald's from accepting payments here in the United States? capital gains stuff oh well does anyone want to answer that <laughs> well the fact that bitcoin's not legal tender in the united states probably presents major major challenges I think we've, just run this, we've run across this issue as well and if you read through the norms that were published by the salvador and central bank it wrestles with this issue and there is a big uh, gap in understanding of bitcoin as an asset and that's how it's been treated so far as an investment asset in the first world country economies. And when you use Bitcoin as a legal tender, what you're actually doing is you're using the Bitcoin network and the payment rail side of the technology. And the mental framework that is best to use with this is of that of transacting with cash. It's a better analogy, even though it's completely digital and it does not exist in a physical form because of the properties of peer-to-peer -peer and instant settlement, it's better to think of it as cash. And there's a big gap in understanding. And this is a huge barrier to the usability of Bitcoin, not being able to segregate Bitcoin as this asset that's been growing in value for the last 10 years and Bitcoin as a payments rail 
and can be even the accounting can be then transferred over to another currency. This is the case in El Salvador, where all the accounting rules still apply in dollars, but you can use Bitcoin as a seamless payment rail that operates a lot like cash. And we've been trying to talk to people about this issue. And we've also trying to talk with other Bitcoiners to be able to formulate the argument in a more convincing and eloquent way. So if you've got any feedback on that front, much appreciated. I just want to jump in and say that Juan and I just dropped a podcast on Bitcoin Magazine podcast talking about what's happening in El Salvador with this rollout from a business perspective. So go check that out at Bitcoin Magazine podcast. And in general, as we let people on stage to ask questions, you got one question, guys, and then I'm taking you off stage. We got like 20 requests. So you got one shot. Please come prepared when you're on stage. And then after that, I'll be taking you off. So don't be offended. But Satoshi, what's up? How's it going, my man? No question here. Just please follow me at Shatoshi. Thanks. That's guys, what not to do, guys. Guys, I got to leave, but I thank you. Thank you, Aaron, for inviting us. We need to go and buy some stuff for later today. And yeah, we will celebrate. Yeah, Chibera, what, what is happening later today? Maybe close off with that. There, is there uh, something going to happen in El Zonte? Yeah, you want to say it, Mike? Sure. We're doing a kind of celebratory distribution of Bitcoin to all the families in El Zante. So we're giving all the families $50 in Bitcoin to be able to, you know, go and spend in town and support the stores that are accepting it there. So we're anticipating distributing half a Bitcoin today. Yeah. And I think like much of the people from Zante, they don't realize that the real heroes here is the community, you know? And that's gonna be a surprise. Everyone was like yesterday when they knew that everyone is exciting. So we're waiting that the full, all community will be here and, and it's gonna be a, a big day for Sante. So we will send some pictures from many happy families and celebrate with them. This is a big day that many of you and us and all people around the world, we were dreaming that will come one day and this is the day. So enjoy it, guys. Celebrate it how you want. And yeah, we're waiting for everyone here in Bitcoin Beach. Yeah, like Timbero was saying, this the fact that there's this small village that has literally like upended the world's financial system. And, and so we want them to be able to celebrate in that and the impact that they're having on the world. Right. Thanks a lot, Timbero, and enjoy this afternoon. Yeah, thank you. Bye-bye, guys. All right, see ya. Adios. Ken, we've got Ken on stage. What's up? Hey, hey, guys. Okay, guys, I'm not sure if you already saw how the Chivo wallet looks like. Have you seen that already? I have not. Well, I mean, I've seen some screenshots, I think, but I've not been able to try it or anything like that. Well, Maybe actually, someone else? I just uploaded a video from my own uh, Chivo wallet just in the case you want to see it. Sure. Tweet it. So, Ken, tell us a little bit more about yourself as well. But yeah, if you tweet it out, we can pin it to the top of this chat. Yeah, of are course. You, well, are I you believe... a Salvadorian? Yes, I'm uh, from El Salvador. I've been living here all my life. Regarding about the question that you had before, if we speak English, well, pretty much there is a lot of people here that speak English as well. A lot of people working, most, most of them in the call center industry. 
there's a lot of people that came from the state that live there for a long. And also the people in the university is like required for them to speak English at the end of the career. So yeah, pretty much English for us is going to be like the second language. That's very interesting for people who are you know trying to move to El Salvador for Bitcoin purposes. Uh, definitely removes friction. Aaron, I guess on you, you know, traveling and living in El Salvador for some time, I'm sure you have kind of limited Spanish. What was your experience like? Yeah, I mean, definitely not everyone speaks English, that's for sure. But enough people speak English to get around and to learn about the country and learn about how people think about Bitcoin, even though, you know, it it might be hit and miss depending on who you meet. But I think there's enough English to get around, I would say. Alex, was it also your experience or do you speak flawless Spanish? I don't even know. I don't think so, right? No, definitely not. I had a friend traveling with me from Costa Rica. I would say that not a lot of people spoke English, especially outside the city. So, Ken, what's your experience with the Chiva wallet? I posted your video up top. I'll tell everyone I have not vetted it. So, you know, be careful. But Ken, walk us through uh, your experience with the wallet. Maybe you can give us some insight since it seems like you're the only person on stage who's actually used it. Okay. Well, actually, I've been awake almost all night waiting for the launch for the Chiva wallet. It was like around four in the morning when I went to sleep. I, le- I slept like at three hours. At the beginning, there, yes, of course, as, as always with uh, new apps and all of that, there was uh, some delays supposed to be at the mid uh, supposed to be launched at midnight but there are some issues with the google app and the apple store i'm not sure if they already uh, release it in those platform but the first one who sent it over i mean launch it is the huawei store because i have a huawei smartphone i don't i start downloading the chivo app so at the beginning yes there was a little bit of glitches trying to configure the chivo wallet I did send some image and some information to the developers in the Chiba Wallet. I sent it over a tweet and a lot of pictures. When I wake up around 7 in the morning today, I saw the message saying that they already made the amendments in the software. They actually, Najib Bukele sent a message saying that they have to turn it off for a while because they have to migrate the servers into uh, more powerful ones. So that error was been fixed. And actually, I did try it again around seven in the morning and actually it worked. It was simple, very easy. I did the same for the smartphone of my wife's smartphone and it's easier, super easier. Yeah, there were some hiccups. Is it available in all app stores now, as far as we know? You mentioned why and- I heard there, iOS Apple store, now. iOS, Android. I have not know? heard anything about Android slash the Google app store yet. All right, we have some more people on stage who haven't we heard from. Tayshas. Hey, uh, good afternoon, guys from Dallas, Texas. I'm super excited about El Salvador releasing Bitcoin out as their legal tender. Question for you guys. Does anybody know if El Salvador has any incentives for setting up mining, Bitcoin mining out in El Salvador? Do they have extensive energy needs? Just a off the bat question here. Maybe there's someone out on this podcast that could talk about that so thank you yeah so Bukele the president did mention the volcano mining of course which has become a viral meme so they have the geothermal energy operations I have not personally heard of any actual mining going on yet so I think that's a work in process unless maybe Mike have you heard anything about this do you know more about this is this an actual thing or what would you think the timeline for something like this is 
Yeah, I don't think that there's any actual timeline for it now. I think it's more in the idea stage. I mean, the government definitely is planning to get behind it, and I think they would incentivize it in any way possible if people had ideas to bring to them. I do know that there is thermal energy from the volcanoes that it's available. I don't know what the cost is to produce that. I know for me personally, where I live here in El Zante, my electricity cost is extremely high. And with the warm climate, it definitely doesn't seem like a great environment for mining Bitcoin. But if they were doing it on top of the volcanoes where there's up high and the weather's cooler, and if the energy price really was that low, then definitely it could work. So yeah. I'm not an expert, go on. but just hearing from several other conversations, especially from a lot of the Bitcoin critics in the country, that El Salvador doesn't even make it all of its own energy and it buys a lot of it from Guatemala. So obviously, Bitcoin enthusiasts think that Bitcoin can fix that and give an incentive for countries and communities to build out their own energy infrastructure. But if they're currently not making an abundance of energy, it's probably not ideal for mining. I'm curious what Juan has to say, seeing as that he's very familiar with both Guatemala and El Salvador, and Juan is mining himself. Yes, the problem with energy generation is not only the generation of the energy, but getting it to the places where it's most needed. And there's where you can bridge the gap with some Bitcoin mining operations. Some of the energy that can be produced, it's not economically feasible to put it in the places where people live. And that's one of the hurdles that you can overcome and energy you can exploit with Bitcoin mining. And it would be depend on a case-by-case basis evaluating this. In the case of Guatemala, it's very different because there was an excess of energy installations built up and there was a very cutthroat this is all directed by the government, so it's kind of a mess. There's no free market for selling energy. The government hands out contracts, and there was a very cutthroat negotiation phase with this contract, and that's how a lot of companies in Guatemala ended up either without a contract to sell the energy locally, and they just shut down, or exporting some of the energy to Mexico and to El Salvador, to the neighboring countries, because it's produced cheaply here, and some of the energy that is sent to El Salvador is produced near the border. So geographically, it's closer by than the volcano energy could potentially be. And those are two of the factors that are going to have to be overcome in order to make Bitcoin mining feasible in the area. Apparently, if you can set up your operation right next to the energy source, that's the best way to do it. And Some have theorized that this will bring the population closer to the energy source. Then the energy generation comes first and then the communities come after. Thank you very much, guys. You know, so I'm in the oil patch here in uh, Texas. So what I've been seeing, just my personal observations is uh, you're seeing there's a lot of oil and gas conferences out in Houston. Although I live in Dallas, I commute back and forth. And you're seeing a lot of miners come to these conferences seeking to find wells that have stranded gas in them. So it's interesting to see this holy alliance between the crypto community as a whole and oil and gas. So I'm all for it, guys. And any way I can help out and spread the good word, I'm here. So thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Hey, can I just add to that? Hey, I'm Miguel. I'm from El Salvador and I'm an engineer. 
Something good about the energy in El Salvador, though, is that a lot of the energy is renewable energy because we use this river, El Rio Lempa. Most of the energy is generated with the river. And we are, well, not too long ago, the government also had this eolic park and this also solar park in which they're producing more energy. And to my understanding, they were also with the volcano mining. What they were doing is that they were partnering up with an energy company here called Lajeo, which uses the heat from the planet to actually produce energy here. So I think that maybe even though sometimes we might need to buy the energy from other countries, the good part about it is that at least the energy that we produce is somehow clean, which, you know, it's one of the main concerns about mining cryptocurrency, right? So, I mean, in the future, we could use that in our advantage so that El Salvador could be profitable mining. And also, well, myself, I have a solar panel in my home. So I'm also doing mining. I do it on and off. But my electric bill is about, what, $90. And I've been mining since they announced the law. So it's been, what, two months pretty much. And I've mined about, what, $60, and it's $90 for my electricity, but that's everything, right? My refrigerator, my, I don't know, everything, right? So I think that it might be preferable here. Even if we might have to take energy from other countries, it might still be somehow preferable. Right. Just to follow up on that, I think it's the key is this, if they're using that stranded energy that can be harvested from the volcano locations that can't be utilized by communities right now. There definitely is potential with that, but I don't know how far along they've gotten to do any serious studies or if there's any big investments looking to come in quite yet. Bitcoiners, I want to tell you about the Texas Blockchain Summit put on by the Texas Blockchain Council. This conference is all about Bitcoin and man. Their lineup is absolutely spectacular. Cynthia Lummis, Hester Pierce, Warren Davidson, Nick Batia, Alex Gladstein, Will Cole. That's just the tip of the spear. There are so many big names going to be a part of this event. The Texas Blockchain Council is doing an absolute incredible job, and they are 100% focused on Bitcoin and self-sovereignty that comes from adopting Bitcoin. The most sovereign place in America is Texas. Austin is the capital. October 8th is the place. Go to the Texas Blockchain Summit. You can save a beautiful 25% if you use code BTC in all caps. That is the special code for the Bitcoin Magazine audience. Use code BTC. Save 25% off your ticket. Don't miss it. This is going to be absolutely sick. Peace. Bitcoiners, let's take a break from the content and I want to tell you about Coolbix. Coolbix is an awesome Bitcoin hardware wallet that has been around for a really long time. They are building an amazing Bitcoin wallet called the Cool Wallet Pro. The Cool Wallet Pro is state of the art Bitcoin hardware wallet technology. Its form factor is like a credit card. You can put it into your wallet and it is designed to go with you on the go. So that way, even when you're on the go, you can have the benefit of a two-factor 
hardware wallet design when you're trying to spend your Bitcoin. So you can have your Bitcoin wallet UX on your phone and make it really easy to scan, decide what you want to do. But then you sign with a cool BitX, which is in your back pocket. It is tamper proof. It is waterproof. It is flexible. It has an awesome secure element in it. And it is a really awesome way in order to have some more flexibility, yet security when you're taking your Bitcoin on the go. I personally am a fan of this idea of making Bitcoin into a medium of exchange and making it into something that people use. I know it's going to take time, but they are working on the UX for making that possible in as secure a way possible. So have some peace of mind. Check out the Cool Wallet Pro from Cool Bix and... Thank you to them for sponsoring this podcast. Seems like we have more people on stage. Miguel, thank you for the insights. We have Marvin who's been on stage and waiting. Marvin, what's up, man? I like your volcano laser eyes in your background. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I'm part of the over 3 million Salvadorans that live abroad and have followed this very closely. In fact, I've, many of us have followed Bukele's journey from when he was a mayor in the city of San Salvador. So we stay informed very much. And I did get a ID back in 2007 on a trip to El Salvador. And it's expired in 2012, but I was able to download from my iPhone 12, the Chivo wallet. And I got $30, which I, I mean, in SAS, of course, but I went ahead and, and sent that money back to El Salvador so that it is spent locally. I noticed that there is a community, both are working together here and it's not necessarily organized. It's just random people communicating with people in El Salvador via Twitter and promoting the use of, of Bitcoin and promoting those businesses that are accepting Bitcoin. And because I think that by nature, we seem to be entrepreneurial. We have an entrepreneurial spirit. You see them, many of them starting to post signs saying, I accept Bitcoin, we accept Bitcoin. So I think this is starting to get a movement going where more businesses are going to want to be a part of it and take part of that money that is being sent to all the citizens, all Salvadorans everywhere, in El Salvador and abroad. Yeah, one of the things I heard is that dollarization went so fast in parts due to remittance as well. So because of all the dollars coming into the country as remittance, that's how it's really sort of picked up and that's how the dollars started to outcirculate, if that's a word, to outcirculate, outperform the local currency. So it will be interesting to see if something like that will happen with Bitcoin or could happen with Bitcoin. If I may add something, we, and this, is, this might get you guys excited, we onboarded a couple of merchants that will be taking the full payment in Bitcoin. They will be keeping it in Bitcoin. And that's where the tools that people like the guys at OpenNode and we are building as well, that will help them keep their accounting and be able to integrate it into their businesses and also keep the Bitcoin instead of uh, switching back to dollars. And there's uh, very little interest in doing that right now, but we got the first uh, people that are being adventurous and will be doing it. And we expect this to gain more adoption and more people to keep more of the Bitcoin they take in and keep it in Bitcoin. Right. And I think that many of us abroad, many even in El Salvador, realize that the media, a certain sector of media that will always oppose anything the president does. But I think that even 
here I, I, I read the comments on YouTube, on Twitter, and even if there is misinformation or FUD on the Spanish newspaper media, all the comments are in favor of it. All the comments realize that the media is not entirely honest and that there's an agenda. So I wouldn't pay too much attention to the mainstream media in El Salvador because it's traditionally it's been against Bukele because traditionally it's been against other interests that have not benefited the population at large. How would you characterize any of the El Salvadorians or people expose Bukele's current popularity through this? I know that Bukele generally is very popular from a populist perspective, and the Bitcoin law, generally speaking, is very unpopular. I'm just kind of curious, like, what the current state is for Bukele in general. My impression is that it's still very high, very positive. And there's another part of Salvadorans have been burned many times. Like somebody said, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice. But not from Bukele. I think there's still great expectation and great hope for Bukele. He's accomplished already many things, has kept us safe. His decisions, his actions kept the population safe from COVID, and, and which has allowed in fact, if you watch the recent U.S. and El Salvador game, it was packed and any of them are vaccinated. Many of them are. I'm not trying to push any decision here for a vaccination or not. But what I'm saying is that people feel safe enough to go out there and be together and sing in a very nationalistic way, very proud way, the national anthem, something that I think may have been lost in five, six, seven years ago. In the past, to be honest with you, many of us had thought that El Salvador had no solution. Years and years and decades of corruption and crime. We, we thought, almost thought it was a failed state, many of us abroad. And that's why since 2008, I have not gone back and I'm looking forward to going back now. Many of us are looking forward to my property there, maybe retiring at a certain, you know, when it's time to do so. Something that many of us feared before I feared taking my kids. It may have been also the media spread, but with Bukele, all of that has changed. There's a great hope that I think is very general. But of course, there's some people that feel that they've been burned in the past and they're keeping an open mind to it. And then there's those that have not benefited with his decisions because those decisions have benefited the greater masses, the 97 percent. That's why we always say that 97 percent are in favor because they benefit from the decisions that the president has taken. And in fact, it's what I consider to be a true democracy. 97 percent are happy with the way the, the government is. At least that's a number that we've used. And then, there's, of course, there's people in, in the towns that they're on their opinion. But these are people that have been polled. It's always been very high. And then one other thing I want to say about the Bitcoin is that the people that are opposed to it, they use any any strategy they can. In fact, if you see an illustration of a Bitcoin in the form of a, of a 3D coin, you might see the purity level, 999. So there's even people out there trying to say that that's the number of the beast. If you turn it around, 666. So they'll go to any extent to try to discredit Bitcoin and appeal to the ignorance to some of the people that are very religious and thinking that this is actually a biblical thing. And that's the people, if you see very humble people out there that you think they would understand what Bitcoin is, many of them may oppose it because they think they're from a religious aspect. Well, I have like a different kind of view because I do believe that the introduction of Bitcoin has somehow reduced the popularity of the president. Because that people that you're speaking, that in a way they're ignorant, right? Because they don't know how the system or crypto works or the system, financial system in general, they don't know. So they're afraid because of all the things that they're saying about Bitcoin. And there has been 
protests that are against it. So I think that it has definitely taken some of the popularity from the president, even though, well, at least in my case, I am not 100% a supporter of the president. I didn't even vote. And with this re-election thing, I think it's kind of dangerous. But at the same time, the good thing about Bitcoin or crypto in general is that it does not belong to anyone, right? There is Bitcoin without the Chivo app. There is Bitcoin everywhere. And even those people that may fear this technology now because they don't understand it and because no one has told them how to use them or their benefits of it, they might get on board with it, even though they're anti-Bukele, because you can use Bitcoin regardless of the government, regardless of who's running things, regardless of the Chivo wallet or not. And that's kind of the point of Bitcoin, right? That everybody can use it, that there is no government behind it. So while I think that it has reduced the popularity of the president in the long term, I don't think that that really matters because I am not a supporter of the president, even though I'm super bullish about Bitcoin, right? I mean, it's benefits. I started what mining I'm trading. In fact, yesterday I went on on leverage. And I guess the point that I'm trying to make is that, that this movement has to be more than the president or more than the government, right? It's not just about Nuevas Ideas and Ibukele. It's about a world where we have an inclusive global financial system for everybody. And I think that's the good part about it, even though it might be true, the president and the government that we have now, but in the long term, that doesn't matter. Right, right. I think that the a dip in the popularity is probably more on the local level than those of us who are abroad, who have missed traveling to our countries and, and seeing hope in it. I think that the greater popularity or acceptance the president abroad. And then, of course, going back to the different movements to try to go against anything the president. And yes, Bitcoin is something separate than the current administration. But of course, he seems to be the face of it because he's the one that, that proposed it. And you know, the success that we are all banking on, it will reflect well in the long term, I think, for him. So I think any dip, uh, once we go through this the initial stage, I think it would prove to be the right choice, in my opinion. And I think it is a bold move. I've always thought that as soon as I saw that things were getting better in El Salvador, I saw an opportunity to go back and invest there. And then many times I even tried to hire graphic designers in El Salvador and they wouldn't accept PayPal. There was no PayPal as far as I knew. There was some trouble with making payment. And I, I today I just sent $30 worth of Bitcoin to El Salvador from the money that I received from the president. And some people in my family were surprised. Why'd you get it? You're here. You've been here for decades. They're like, well, I have, I found a, an old ID. It worked. I don't want to use it here. I want it to be used in El Salvador. I want it to go to some merchant or some company. I want to start pumping that out there so it starts to get more momentum. I'm not alone. I've seen many people abroad who don't want to, I mean, it would be nice to keep it in there and let it grow if possible, but I think it's better used if it's spent with merchants in, in El Salvador. Yeah, I agree to that, especially because... I mean, what you said that was important, the popularity abroad, because a lot of people or a lot of Salvadorian live abroad, especially in the U.S., and they send money to us, right? But they have to go through all these companies like MoneyGram, PayPal, or whatever to send the money. So now that they're using the Lightning Network, they will have to go through it. So I guess that in time, if people actually start using it, 
yeah, it's gonna get the popularity like levels higher, but then that's gonna happen when people start seeing the benefits of having Bitcoin as a method of payment, right? Even though locally, because I've been seeing even, for example, my mother or my family is really against cryptocurrency, even though I'm super bullish, which is kind of strange. But the thing is that, for example, because you guys know Banco Agricola, I was in a presentation with Banco Agricola yesterday of how is it going to work. And they're essentially doing the same as McDonald's, right? They're just printing a lightning invoice and they transform it directly to USD. So I feel like in a way, a lot of people won't necessarily use it. But that's also a good thing, right? Because it truly is optional. But uh, I guess that the media and everything has gotten people confused on how that's going to work. But they don't take into account that Bitcoin can be converted instantly into any other currency, pretty much, right? It's not like you yep. have to go to a, like an exchange or whatever yep. and change your... Hey, Miguel, I'm sorry to interrupt. Aaron, I need to go. I can continue to record if you want to If you wanna keep this thing going. I don't know, Joe, if you have any time constraints on your end, but I have to bounce personally. I have to go as well, actually, or at least I need to take a break. Okay. So maybe it's better if we just... So, yeah, let's, let's just close it out. Everyone, thank you so much for listening. Everyone who spoke, thank you so much for speaking. Follow everyone on stage, Bitcoin Beach, Juan, Aaron, Bitcoin Magazine. Marvin, Miguel, thank you so much for coming on. You guys have brought an enormous amount of insight. And thank you to Alex Gladstein and several other folks who are listening who spoke. This is a great space. It's going to be recorded and posted as quickly as humanly possible, I promise. Go look up Bitcoin Spaces on your podcast app. That is where we're posting the recording. And it will be posted in the next two days, I promise. So don't worry about that. It will also be available on YouTube. But yeah, that's it from me. Go buy a conference ticket, b.tc forward slash conference. Check out the deep dive. Check out bitcoinmagazine.com. All right, that's all the shills. Peace. Thank you, guys. Anyone in San Salvador, there's going to be a meetup tonight at 6.30 at Carbon Paria de Barrio. Welcome Where? to join there. I'll tweet it. It's called Carbon Paria de Barrio. Let's go. All right, peace. Uh, Alex, all right. For you might see me there, maybe. Hey, but in all seriousness, I just want to thank you guys because of how you're doing all those spaces and how you are somehow educating people and how people can voice their concerns and their ideas and their opinions of this topic because it's it's really broad, right? So I just want to thank you guys for this and giving those spaces in which people can share everything. So yeah, thank you to you guys. All right. Ciao. Have a good day, everyone. Ciao.